Hello and a big warm welcome to you and welcome to the Aware Parenting Podcast. And in a moment, I'm going to be introducing my wonderful guest for today. And please note that we're going to be talking a lot about craniosacral therapy. And I would love to note that as an Aware Parenting Instructor, I'm not authorised to recommend any particular physical therapies for babies or children. So I just wanted to say that before we start. And I really love this conversation with Shelley. So I'm so looking forward to sharing it with you. Hello and a big one. Welcome to you and welcome to the Aware Parenting Podcast. My name is Marion Rose, PhD, and I'm so glad to be doing another one in this gorgeous series. Well, I think it's gorgeous anyway. <laughs> I trust that you are on the effects of birth. And today I have with me Shelley Clark. Welcome, Shelley. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And so delighted to be talking to you today. And Shelley, you are an aware parenting instructor, yay, but also a Marian Method mentor and a craniosacral therapist. And over the years that we've known each other, we have had so many conversations and I have loved hearing so much from you about your work with babies that you do a lot of in terms of both craniosacral therapy, but also aware parenting. And so I'm really delighted that you're going to come and share some of that with the listeners today. Well, me too. And thank you so much for having me. I feel honoured. I've been listening to this podcast for a very long time. So it's lovely to be here and to chat about this and to share my experience as, like you said, a craniosacral therapist and uh, aware parenting instructor and with my own kids as well. So I'm really, really excited. Yay. And we thought we might start with your experience with your own children. So do you want to share your journey to aware parenting and with aware parenting and how that's been for you and particularly in terms of when they were babies, what you experienced? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, so my, I have three children. So I didn't start aware parenting until my third really as a baby. So I'll backtrack right to the start. Uh, we had two kids, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and we were. I was really struggling with a lot of things, sleep. One of them didn't sleep, big behaviours, unenjoyable behaviours, hitting and biting and different things, and I didn't know what to do with it. And the usual ways of dealing with that wasn't working and we were trying everything with sleep, including walking my daughter around in the pram at you know, two o'clock in the morning. And uh, I just thought, gosh, am I the only one doing this? And so I loved your series on sleep because I think that's so helpful for parents. And I remember Googling sleep, gentle sleep solutions or gentle sleep and something, a hand in hand thing popped up. And so I actually came into hand-in-hand parenting first. So for those listening, you've mentioned hand-in-hand parenting before. It's really similar in terms of understanding crying and laughter and play. And so I actually became an instructor in that first and that I saw huge changes in my kids and my parenting and our family really right from, from learning that. And then at the same time I was studying that, I was also doing my craniosacral therapy training. And we'll talk more about what that is and that in a little while. But 
I went to a course and we learned about psychosynthesis, which you have done training in. And I came home from that course and Googled, again, Google's been my, like, showing me all the way, you know, showing me this path this whole time, parenting and psychosynthesis, and you popped up. And that I looked up We in our conversations before coming on to today was in 2017, so six years ago. That Google search changed my life. Again, another point in the path where we then started to work together and I just did course after course of your work and aware parenting. And I think for me, aware parenting, I was already playing and listening to crying, but I think aware parenting really helped me see what the needs might be underneath the behaviour You know, it has a bit more of a broader description of attachment play and the different types of attachment play. And so it really helped me to understand children on a very, very deep level. And so aware parenting, you know, I dived into that and became an aware parenting instructor, listening to my kids and listening to their crying and noticing what happens afterwards and their behaviours and attuning to their needs And so over the years, it's just developed more and more and more. And I became an instructor about five years ago, I reckon now. And now, yeah, share and educate parents and do workshops and teach aware parenting, as well as having it in our family every day. You know, we use aware parenting all the time with our kids. And so with my third child, when he came along, I was already an aware parenting instructor. And so with the other two, it was coming in at different ages. So I certainly can really resonate with anyone listening. If you feel like, oh, I haven't done this right from birth, it's okay. (laughs) We can come in and play and we can listen at any stage. But noticing the difference and really listening to my third right from the start was a very, very profound experience for me. And which we can talk a little bit more about, but just noticing how much crying he did when all of his other needs were met and he was fed and held and close to us and warm and had his nappy changed and we ran through the list of all of the immediate needs that there was a lot of crying that we listened to and he told us his birth story and he worked through feelings and overwhelm and really seeing how deeply relaxed he was afterwards. It was quite a wonderful experience actually for us to to do that right from the start. Mm, so beautiful. Do you remember, Shelley, the first time you ever listened to him crying your arms when all his needs were met? Yeah, it was really early actually. And by the time he came along, I had also been a craniosacral therapist for several years and I'd been with adults who have big, big somatoemotional release. And, and so I was very, very confident in listening to his feelings, but we actually listened right from very early. And so I would feed him. And in the first couple of days, we, I, I listened to his big cries and he, especially one particular time, actually, the first few days, every time we picked him up, he would cry a little bit, but it felt like it was a painful cry. 
and I think it was his neck. And actually a friend of mine came and did a craniosacral therapy session on him the next day and he cried less when we picked him up. But for the first couple of days, I think he had a really tight neck from just the position that he was in in utero and that birth process. And so I would pick him up and he'd have a huge big cry and he was in my arms with my presence, with my eyes, looking at him, speaking to him lovingly, and then he would fall asleep for ages and be really soft and floppy and he would stay asleep. And so we actually listened right from birth with him and I was really confident I would still, I would feed him and he was fed, breastfed. He was breastfed for a really long time. And so I know when people are listening to babies, it can be hard to differentiate out between a cry that's for hunger and a cry that's for just telling us how they're feeling. But that's a trial and error thing. And I just would say to a parent to see, just give things a go. It's a bit of a trial and error and a experiment really around, okay, actually, I think they might be hungry. Let's have a feed, looking at the quality of that feed, how they are on while they're feeding, while they're sucking, is their body calm, that, you know, we would get a good feed. Okay, yep, I know he's had a really good feed. And then if he got grizzly a little bit later, I would sit with him and just give him my presence and my attention and he would often have a big cry. So it's a trial and error and a learning your baby is what I would say for those listening if they think, oh, how do I tell the difference? That's a big experimental observational process, isn't it? And you know what I remember, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, I remember you were in a group that I was facilitating at the time and you came into sessions in the group online on Zoom. Yep with him and with some crying in arms and with moving through some of your own things that were bubbling up from your own birth and infancy. And it was, I really remember those. They were so profound. And so I I remember everyone just being literally in awe of that parallel process that you're going through, not only supporting him around his birth and time in utero, but also really revisiting yours at the same time. It was amazing, wasn't it? Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. And I think the power of having held spaces where you can go, like your spaces that you hold, because it it gave me the confidence to keep listening. And when people are there that have done it before, and I've certainly done this with people that I support in aware parenting now and listening to their baby, I'm there with them because when you're not sure and you think, oh, is this okay? And there's someone there that's, you know, very experienced and has seen this and is that, that is holding that space, then it gave me the confidence to be able to hold that space for him. And that's how we gain that confidence to know that this is this is the process. This is okay. I can hold my child through all of these feelings. Yeah, it's so powerful, isn't it? Having that presence of someone else who's really relaxed and really comfortable. And we get that literal sense of like, wow, they're really relaxed and comfortable. And, and our bodies can go, oh, okay, it's safe. I'm safe. The baby's safe. We can keep listening here. It's very powerful, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And the power of having a group of people do that is even through Zoom and online is really, you know, everyone's presence of going, yeah, this is okay. We're, we've got you here. Okay. Well, if they've got me, then I've got the baby. 
And that's, yeah, it's it's a really powerful experience. Yes. Do you know, mm. I'm also remembering that workshop that Lael and I did in Byron. And yes, you, you gonna... brought Jimmy and yep. that, that was a whole experience as well, wasn't it? Yes. I was going to talk about that actually, because that gave me, because that was in an in-person workshop for those listening. There was an in-person workshop probably about, well, he was only about five months old at that time. And so I took him to the workshop. I was there for about three or four days with you and Lael. And at one point he started to cry. So everyone listened. I was listening. I had you on one side and Lael on the other side. I just felt like this most divine space being held for me. And I was listening to him and he was telling, he was moving around and, and twisting his head and his body like a birth process. And so I was listening and it got to a point where it then felt too much for me. I had feelings of my own bubble up. And the amazing part of this was that I could then, because you were right there with him as well, and we were all just giving him attention and connection, that you then took him and listened to him some more. And I turned to Leo and kind of fell into her arms and sobbed and sobbed and cried and cried about the birth and about how hard it was. And I can't even remember what I said now, but having her to do that for me was really amazing. And I think that weekend helped me to really see the power of when we hold that space all the way through a big cry that our children can get to the other side of it and they move through the big, you know, the bigness of it and they move through the sensations and the feelings and come out the other side and they're really relaxed in their bodies and they make eye contact. And I remember him just staring up at me and looking at his eyes and we just connected in a way where I know he said thank you so much for listening like it was a really powerful time and it meant that I it gave me the confidence to go ah this is what it's like when we hold our kids through the really big feelings the fear terror it can look really big but it's yeah it's really powerful yeah, I so remember that. And I do want to say for listeners that generally if a baby's crying, it's really helpful to have mum or dad or people that they know really well. But that was yeah. that was after like day, I think maybe that was that day two or day three of the workshop. So I'd been connecting with him already. So generally, unless, it, of course, in some situations that might be the thing, but I already had the sense of us knowing each other enough to be comfortable to do that and still sitting right next to you and you would lay on the other side. So, yeah. Yes, I think that's a really good point to make. And it's similar in craniosacral sessions when I'm with parents or if I'm doing an aware parenting session with parents that the parent is the one doing the primary listening and I'm really there to support the parent <laughs> and help hold that space like you and Leo were doing for me where you are holding and being so grounded in yourselves that I'm like, okay, this is okay. When I start to go, get a bit wobbly, are you sure this is okay? Uh, that then you go, yeah, this is okay. And then I can come back and reconnect and, and provide that same sense of safety for or him listening. So I think that is an important note to make to for people to know that it's helpful if it's a primary caregiver or someone that they really do know well. 
Yes, absolutely. Oh, that was such a beautiful experience. What I was thinking is, won't it be wonderful when all the parents in the world have at least two people with them and many more people with them at any time, if you're really comfortable with crying in arms, I mean, imagine when that will be just what all mothers or fathers experience that those presence and their support, particularly on that deep emotional level, people who are really comfortable with really big feelings. And yeah. just can you imagine it like, the different world we would live in straight away if that was just standard for all parents yes absolutely a very different world and one that I am passionate about helping support and create I really think one of the things that really changed for me and this might be helpful for for people listening from baby number one and two to baby Three is that when I first became a mother and I didn't know what I was doing I was in the health profession. So I thought I had some idea. I didn't know what I was doing. And also whenever my child cried, I thought it was something I had to fix. And I thought that crying was a bad thing and that I needed to fix it and to stop it. Otherwise my child was in distress and that's not a good thing because it's raising their stress levels and cortisol levels. And And so whenever there was ongoing crying that I'd run through all the things, I was like, what else is there? Why aren't they stopping? Why are they still crying? And what would happen is I would just get more and more stressed (laughs) in my own body. And that really was sending a message. Well, there's something here to be worried about because mum's really worried. (laughs) And, you know, it was this cycle that, was really hard and and I certainly spent many hours trying to stop crying and the biggest change for me from the first two babies to the third was understanding that crying is healing is it's a natural way of recovering from stress and overwhelm and that includes the stress and overwhelm of the birth process and so with my third I became so much more comfortable with crying. And then as I did it more and more, I became even more comfortable with crying. And I just, whenever they started to cry, I made sure I got really grounded in my body and really almost like heavy in my body. Can I feel my feet? Can I breathe slowly and deeply into my belly? And, you know, how calm can I make myself? so that I'm sending a signal to my child, this is okay. I'm not worried by these feelings that you are having right now. So you just go ahead and have them tell me all about it. And that was such a profound change. And that even deepened more in those circles because you held that space. Every time I sort of got a bit (laughs) in my body, hearing you say, this is okay. Okay. All right. This is okay. And then the workshop, that deepened it even more. And then since then, I've listened to a lot of babies cry with their parents. And, you know, again, it's like holding that space for the safety of that child. It sends the message that those feelings that no one, we're not scared of these feelings. It's okay to have them. And I got from first baby to third baby, just really, really comfortable with crying. And I really dream of the day that 
most of society or at least like you said if people have got one or two people in their lives every child has got one or two people or four or five people or however many that are really comfortable with their crying that will be such a profound difference for children Mm. yes so well won't it and I remember such that similar step too of getting to that point of actually really enjoying listening to big feelings and like oh yes and feeling that from earlier years sometimes dissociating a little bit and starting to think about what I might be cooking for dinner or something like that to actually getting this deep sense of actually satisfaction and really feeling that's what they were experiencing this deep satisfaction of like oh I'm letting it all out and like this really clear channel like the feelings are coming through without even getting stuck on the sides anywhere and that is absolute satisfaction that I would also feel really satisfied as well and like fulfilled actually from this beautiful expression of feelings that they did rather than before in the earlier days not quite so much of that deep relaxation and it's so profound isn't it to have that sense yeah. of yeah like yay baby's crying all their needs met wonderful yes <laughs> Let's absolutely listen. you've just reminded me of something my husband and I would actually fight over who's going to go and listen to him, to our youngest son when he was born and so because I would feed and we had two others you know to do other things with and and when it sort of became time to go to sleep he was starting to show tired signs or whatever it might be one of us would and this was when he was early and so I think my husband had some time off and so we would say, well, who's going to go and listen to him? And so we would take him into his bedroom, sit in the same chair and just hold him in our arms and look at him and say, oh, sweetheart, tell us about your morning. How was your morning? And he would giggle and laugh or whatever he might be or look at us and look around. And at some point he would start to cry and we would listen. And and then once he would had a big cry, he'd often fall asleep and then we'd put him into his bed or whatever it might be. And we would fight over who would do that. My husband and I would be like, okay, do do you want to listen? No, I haven't listened to him yet today. So can I go and listen to him? And so it's such a shift from from the first couple of, you know, kids where you're trying to stop the crying where it was, we were like, great, whose turn is it to to have? And it might be 20 minutes, might've been half an hour, might've been 10, but however long we were listening for, yeah, we. I really, really deeply love listening to babies cry now. It's a profound experience and it's a privilege. It's just I'm honoured when a baby shares their experience with me. I might listen to a niece or a nephew or in a clinic session or with a parent that I'm with and working with, obviously the parents being that primary listener, but it's really if I'm part of that process, you're witnessing another human tell you about a huge thing that's just happened in their life and I'm really honoured by that process. So I love it. I want everybody to be able to uh, feel the same way about crying. Me too. I'm so willing for that. Yeah. I was thinking the similar word honoured is, is absolutely the word I would use too. It's the most incredible thing, isn't it? Mm. Really to be witness and to hold that beautiful present space for their deepest, biggest, most intensest feelings that they have. Yeah. It's an incredible experience. Yeah. Over yeah. and over again. 
Yeah, it really is. It's amazing. I love it. So you were talking about being with babies and with their parents. Do you want to move into sharing about that now? So particularly, I'd love to hear in relation to babies and their birth experiences and their time in utero and those specific links that you see when you see them and you're with them and you're seeing their bodies actually with your experience support, actually doing what they know how to do to heal from birth trauma and what they experienced in utero as well. Yay, absolutely. So I might talk a little bit about what craniosacral therapy is first, just for listeners if they haven't heard of it, and then talk a little bit about who would come in and how babies often present and then what happens. Does that sound okay? Sounds wonderful. Great. Yay. So uh, how did I even come to craniosacral therapy? I So craniosacral therapy is a bodywork modality, so it's a light touch modality developed by Dr. John Upledger. So he was an osteopath that was in the States in the 60s and 70s. And so we're often light touch, meaning it's really, really gentle. So it's a very, very gentle modality, hence why it's really safe to do on babies and children right up to the elderly. And so where craniosacral gets its name because we're often working with the cranial bones and right down to the sacrum. And so he coined the term craniosacral therapy. And we're often working with the fascia. So fascia is our connective tissue that surrounds all of our joints and bones and muscles and ligaments and organs in our body. So fascia holds us together and and it also helps us to move freely. And fascia can get tight and held in certain tension patterns. And so from a craniosacral therapy perspective, when we put our hands on very gently, we're often working on these tension patterns and and slowly we might be working on an area that's quite restricted or tight. And as the body really gently unwinds and moves, you get a release in that area and then the body has more space and it can restore function to that part of the body. And so... I started craniosacral therapy hmm, nine years ago now and I came into it with my son uh, who I took, he wasn't maybe, he wasn't talking yet or I took him to a friend who does craniosacral therapy and we saw profound changes in him, in his body, in so many things. Then I started to have this craniosacral therapy. I'd never really explored it. And I noticed changes in my own body, my own nervous system, less anxiety, less tension held in my body, less stress, less headaches. And so I then went along, I went and studied it and have spent the last nine years studying and I will spend the rest of my life studying because learning it and and working in with this modality because it really has changed so so much for me and and my family and it's quite a profound modality so that's a little bit about what craniosacral therapy is and another part or another aspect of the work is uh, somatic emotional release which is another uh, term coined by Dr Upledger and soma is the body and emotional release and so this can happen 
with adults that we work with on the table and babies and kids are the same is that when we are uh, contacting the body in a really light way, we are actually deeply listening to the body. And that's the big, you know, that's the paradigm that we work from as a craniosacral therapist is that we're listening to the person's body. And so with the sensations and the changes in their tissues under our hands. And as a part of that, sometimes uh, emotions, feelings can come up to be released and, and processed and, and integrated. So if we've been holding on to any experiences or things that we haven't been able to process, we will hold them in our body. And so somatic emotional release was something that I was learning along the same time that I was learning about aware parenting. And I was, you know, in courses and working with adults and having my own experiences of somato-emotional release where I was going back into these younger parts and these younger times and crying on the table spontaneously because I was, you know, releasing feelings that I hadn't had a chance to express or process or work through from 30 years ago or 40 years ago, right back from my birth. I've done many, many, many birth processes. And so I was learning that and seeing adults go back and process experiences from their childhood over and over and over again. And then I was learning about aware parenting and going, hang on, we can listen to crying as they're experiencing it, that's going to be very helpful and hopefully they will have less things that they need to, you know, less things that they need to let go of as a 40-year-old. So it was a really parallel process for me to, to learn both and that we can listen to our children cry and and let their feelings out and release whatever they need to at any age, right from birth. And if we're just starting in their four or seven, we can still listen and they can process things that have happened to them much before, you know, well before they get to adulthood. <laughs> and uh, so somatic emotional release certainly was a, another thing that, that was another piece to the puzzle. And so that's a bit of a summary around what craniosacral therapy is and in terms of your question, how do I help parents with birth and what, what they might come in for? Often I see people in the first few weeks or months, uh, often newborn stage so in the first six weeks, but they've often had a really hard time with feeding or sleep or settling or reflux or colic or all these things that we have that we are often trying to fix or the, the medical model is trying to fix. So they'll come in for some cranial work and I'll be there with the baby and I always talk to the baby and ask them and tell them what I'm doing and introduce myself because babies know way more than we give them credit for and they are aware of everything that happens to them and so they'll come in and I'm very very aware that even when I'm talking to a parent of any age child I'm 
will tend to talk to the child and the baby. And then I'll ask the baby, is it okay if I ask mum some questions? Because, you know, we're talking about someone in front of us and in front of them. And so it's really right from the start having that space and setting up that space to be a really safe environment for that baby. And yeah, then I'll put my hands on and I have a feel of tension patterns in their body. And so even in utero, a baby can get tight from having limited space or maybe they were held slightly, you know, with their neck twisted one way or whatever it might be. They often, and they're tightly packed, very tightly packed. And so, you know, we can have tension patterns right from in utero and, and they can have feelings from in utero. Maybe there's stressful events that have happened while they were in utero or the stressful events happened through the birth process. And so, yeah, I will pop my hands on them, have a feel of what's happening in their body. And because babies don't have the same conditioning that adults have, they will often go very quickly into that somatic emotional release process. If there's feelings there for them to uh, release and let go of, they will fall into that quite quickly and it will just happen spontaneously. In adults, there's, you know, we've had many more years of conditioning around don't cry, it's not okay to cry, and we bury our feelings very deep in in our armoring. And so the somatic emotional release, release process can be a bit slower sometimes with, with adults, but often with babies, they they go into that process really quickly. And so I'm always talking to the parent about what's happening in their bodies and what I'm noticing, what's softening, what's changing. And uh, often they're right there with the parents. So we treat with them on a pillow in front of on the mother's lap or mum's right there on the edge of the bed or dad or whoever brings them. And so it's a really beautiful process of of being with the baby's body and being being with their body and listening to what's happening in their body, but also listening to what what they're saying and and how they're expressing. And I will always probably ask the mother to tell me about their birth story. And I'll ask the baby and say, is it okay if if mum tells me about your birth and, and what happened? And with my hands on, I'm also monitoring what's happening in the baby's body while the mum is or, or dad is telling the story. And you can really see those significant moments because you can feel a baby sort of might brace a bit or they'll get tight at some point and then it will let go and release. And so, yeah, it's a really, really beautiful modality and a beautiful way to be with a baby and you can really see huge changes in their bodies after they've had that process. That was a very long explanation. Hopefully that I was I loved like- it. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Do you want to share some specifics in terms of what you said you can obviously see really clearly mm-hmm. after a treatment and what kinds of things do you see and what do parents observe afterwards as well? Yeah, great question. And it can be really varied, but it might be uh, their tone, attention in their body. So babies, sometimes parents might come in and say, oh, they're really stiff. <laughs> And there you have some babies that are really upright and find it hard to sit down or bend. They're very stiff in their body and stiff in their muscles. And 
They might clench their fists uh, quite a lot. They might have jittery movements, really kind of jerky movements. They might also be looking around quite a lot and sort of really, you know, scanning the room or not really able to make eye contact with you. They might have wide eyes. Often parents say to me, oh, my baby's really alert. And for me, that's a bit of a red flag because I think "Mm, babies actually shouldn't be alert all the time. And I think parents see babies as alert as a, oh, look, they're really developmentally, they're they're alert. This is their their advance for their age or whatever it might be. But uh, a baby that's always alert and wide-eyed is often, you know, a a fight or flight response in their nervous system. They're a bit stuck in that fear response. And so when they say that, I think, oh, okay, there might be something going on. Let's have a little feel of what's happening in their bodies. So things like that. Also, from a parent's perspective, they might be really hard to settle and cry a lot. And so that they're the babies that often get the label of reflux or colic. They might actually have reflux because they might be tight through their uh, respiratory diaphragms and through their body. And so when we do some body work and release those restrictions, that will settle and they don't have reflux anymore because they're able to digest their food properly and they're able to do what they need to do. And so they can be colicky, refluxy, constipated. So babies that really struggle or windy or parents will say, oh, they're just really, really uncomfortable and they are grunty and, you know, struggle with with wind or, or burping and, you know, there's they just always have wind. So that can be another symptom or another sign that parents will come in with. And just unsettled, not sleeping, you know, a lot of not sleeping. Tongue tie, we see a lot of around tongue tie as well with oral restrictions and feeding issues. So, you know, issues with the breastfeeding relationship or trouble not putting on weight and things like that. So that's some of the things that they would come in with. And then afterwards, well, so much can change. (laughs) You know, even within one session, and I'll tell you a little story. I've got several clients actually that have changed really within one or two sessions. And they're more relaxed and often babies fall asleep actually the the process of a session really they'll I'll assess them they often have a quite a big emotional release where I feel like they're often telling me about their birth they might turn their head a certain way their breathing will change that'll you know sort of drop from rapid breathing to uh, much calmer breathing they might wriggle and move around and so they're often processing their birth and well I assume they are because they can't tell me but that's what it feels like (laughs) and yeah so once they've had that big cry they will often fall asleep and parents are like what are you doing to my baby they don't fall asleep like this and it's because they've they've had a chance their bodies are soft they are much more relaxed and and not every session is that has a cry but uh, and the crying might come later. Sometimes it's just releasing those physical structures in the body and that helps the body to exhale and to really relax and go, oh, okay, I can I can go to sleep now. And so that's some of the things that will happen afterwards. Often parents will report a different baby, softer, 
easier to change, you know, not so stiff in their movements. They will open their hands. I remember a couple of babies in particular. One, the parents were having a really, really hard time. They were five or six weeks in and really, really jittery, jittery baby. They just said, this baby never stays still and is always alert, doesn't sleep, you know, goes down for half an hour cat naps or less than. And mum was exhausted, dad was exhausted. They all came. The whole room felt like it was a buzzing. It felt buzzy and stressful. (laughs) Everyone was. And, you know, an hour, I think they were there for about an hour and a half with me. I listened to the story. I listened to their birth story the whole time, having just my hands, you know, on baby and following the baby softening and loosening and then they had a really she had a really big cry huge big cry and I talked to the parents about what was happening and and most parents come for craniosacral therapy so there's education around listening and this is okay and I'm following the baby and we've met all their needs and I will always always ask the parent are you okay with this and what you know what would you normally do for this and where are they up to in their needs so it's a very much a process of being with everyone and but I'm holding space for everyone baby then fell asleep we I then asked the dad how are you I don't think anyone had asked him how he was he had a huge cry and told me how he was and then mum had a cry and told me their story and and that was the end of the session and they came back a week later and it was a completely different baby and soft and sleeping well and not jittery anymore in terms of her movements and quite profound change actually it's not always that quick (laughs) but it was really profound and they actually said we've been able to listen to some of the crying when we've met all the other needs we've just held her and I've you know stayed really calm and she's had a couple of big cries and it's really changed everything for us and that is often what happens in a really typical session. (laughs) So beautiful and so life-changing and so fulfilling for you, I'm imagining, and what I've heard from you over the years. It's so wonderful to... (laughs) And I often often message you and say, oh, my gosh, I listened to this baby and this happened and this happened and da-da-da. It just changes. It is is a a real gift. I feel really honoured and I really do love this work because I can... You know, it's the body work is so profound, and also the the awareness of allowing our children just to have all of their feelings and being with all of their feelings and listening to the crying and the laughing and all of the beautiful aware parenting. I just feel really mm, just so lucky that I can do both. Mm, I love that, and that's such a wonderful segue into the next part because that's what I was wanting to ask you in terms of having craniosacral therapy and aware parenting, and of course the overlap that they have with each other. And many people who practice aware parenting do also have occasional regular craniosacral for for them and or their baby or child. But I have two thoughts or questions. Number one, how is your understanding of each of them? really informed your practice of the other so for example with craniosacral how has that informed your aware parenting practice and I'm going to go a little bit Russell Brand here and tell you about three 
questions all at the same time. I'm thinking about holding a baby in our arms if we are very, very comfortable with aware parenting and supporting them to move and really holding that loving, gentle presence and how we see that they can heal from some of those really physiological things that you talk about. And I share about my experience with Sonny and his very quick posterior birth and the when he first started feeding and he latched on and it was really, really, really painful. And because I'd already had Lana and I knew that's not how breastfeeding is meant to be. I listened to his feelings three times in the first day and a half and that tension really released. I did also have a craniosacral session for him the next day as well. And I'm a big fan of it, as you know, and have been for many years. And then, of course, other parents will come to you and I imagine maybe don't know about where parenting and maybe don't go on to practice it. So this is a lot of different things all in one. And I trust you'll just go wherever you want to go with it. But where do you see in terms of a family that come to you or perhaps a family that's already practicing where parenting with their baby? Where might there be that? call to go actually some craniosacral would be really helpful as well this is just basically saying oh, how do you yeah. see them weaving together and what's their ideal yeah. relationship and all of yeah. that that's <laughs> gives you about 50 different questions to yes ask. yeah well no, I love that my answer to that would be I think every baby could have a craniosacral therapy session one if and that would be another dream that I would have and I have uh, this has been, as you know, you've walked alongside me with my journey around w- what am I doing in the world with both of these things? Do I do one? Do I Which one do I love more? Do I do cranial work? Do I do aware parenting? You know, at times I've, you know, gone between the both, but actually where I have landed is that I love both and including the Marion Method work and including other psychotherapy work that I've done. And it, it really it meshes and melds, blends and melds really, really beautifully. And so another one of my things I would love to see is that every baby gets craniosacral therapy, at least one session, because even when we're listening to crying, there can still be some physio and yes, crying will like when we have a big cry, it can change our body because that can be the thing that was holding, uh, holding that tension pattern in place and once they've had a chance to express and release those feelings the the fascia and tension can shift and I would also say there are times where a structural change is really powerful and so even in a the most natural water birth so my third son was a water birth there was it was quiet we were at hospital but there was no one else around it was my husband and me and it was a slow very conscious birth and even with a beautiful water birth just the process of birth will you you often get a bit of a compression through your occiput through the 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 back part of the skull and the top of the neck and so that can compress just with a normal physiological birth and having that release can change so much for a baby. We've got we've got cranial nerves that come out behind the ears that uh, the vagus nerve for those <clears throat> that are listening is quite superficial in a baby, so it comes out just behind just behind the ears. And if there was any anything that happened during birth, if it was a little, you know, whether it was a forceps or vontus or even if there was a bit of tension at some point, 
or how they were in utero and there's tension at, at these points that can lead to some of the reflux or some of the digestive issues or temperature issues or weight gain or feeding and all of these things and so having having one hands-on session can be a, a, a beautiful place for someone to start just to release whatever wherever there might be restrictions and then we're giving that baby uh, a really great start and so my ideal would be that every baby gets a craniosacral therapy session because I feel like a lot of the uh, feeding or things that we wouldn't have <laughs> and so yeah I really still love everyone to have one that would be my dream so even if you've had a really beautiful birth, there might be some tension. There might be some tension in your baby's hard palate and that, that could be affecting their, their, their sucking and there might be some tension in their pelvis, which is affecting their digestion or or their bowel movements. And so there's certainly been times where I've seen a baby, <clears throat> one in particular I remember, who hadn't used their bowels for several weeks and they were, oh, only six weeks old or something, you know, and so it was like really constant. Maybe they're a bit older actually, but one cranial session and they I released through their belly and through their pelvis and and they opened their bowels and there wasn't a huge emotional release in that part. And so I'm often talking to parents and and I'm always when I am in the clinic and people come for cranial work then I, they, you know, and if they're interested in aware parenting or they mention something and I might start to talk about that, that's helpful for them. Sometimes when I'm at parenting workshops and I'm talking about all these things and they're talking about their kids and I think they probably need some cranial work. <laughs> and so they just go hand in hand. And uh, my kids now, you know, they have had sessions. They they go monthly to two monthly. They don't go, set, they go semi-regularly but not all the time and really for them it's a tune-up session I can tell when they do need a session because how do I know that <laughs> it's just a felt sense really that they just feel a little more wired than usual and they might have had a few big cries and it's not really shifting or and I would say that if you're listening and you've, you know, you, you've listened to your kid around a few, you know, big cries about something, then having a session would might be helpful. And similar when you listened to Sonny, you had those three cries around his jaw and really releasing through that. But there was a CST session somewhere in there quite close, which helps with just any of those structural things. So I think they both work really beautifully. Does that answer your question? I love that. Yes, it does. And the other thing I was thinking as you were talking, my understanding of craniosacral and from experiencing as well, and correct me if this is not accurate, is that the the presence and the touch that you're giving with the, is, is it the cerebrospinal fluid? Is that part of it? Yep. Anyway, the, the yep. touch that you're doing is really supporting the body to do what it knows how to do. Is that, is that an, Yes, I, absolutely. I, absolutely. And that is a really beautiful way of, you know, you asked about, as a, if you're already listening to your children's crying, then how can we, you know, 
provide that support with them or the awareness of body work. It's really just about understanding that the touch that we are trained in is a very light touch, but it's present. It's about a presence and it's about um, listening to the body's natural corrective mechanisms. And so I'm not ever doing anything to someone's body. I am listening and following their body's responses. And so if an adult on the table wants to move in a certain way, we just follow that and the body unwinds naturally. It's really, really trusting that the body has an innate wisdom and knows what it needs to do to heal. And the babies are the same. And so if you're listening, it's about holding your baby in a way that, you know, their arm might want to move or their head might want to move. And you're following that and you're being really present to uh, the way that their body is unwinding. And then just notice, you might notice their breathing change. They might go from really fast breathing to a really soft, slow breathing. And that's a shift in their nervous system. It's a shift in their body. You might notice that their fists that were really tightly held together. I often um, listen with sort of one hand, one thumb in their, their palm and I'm sending, so I'm sending that presence through touch that I'm right here with you. And I suppose that's, as a parent, if you're listening and doing aware parent, you know, listening to your kids and doing aware parenting, that you have that presence there with them. And it can be, it can be a a thumb in their their palm of their hand, or it can be that you're gently holding their shoulder or their arm and they feel you there. Um, and that's one of the things you asked, how does my cranial work inform my parenting and vice versa? <clears throat> the in cranial in craniosacral therapy we're really about being neutral so we're not actually wanting to do anything to the body it's not find this and fix it it's a listen to it and follow what's happening with the body but it's also about being meeting the body right where meeting that person right where they're at and so i've certainly been on the table having my own treatment where someone has been too heavy and it's felt like really uncomfortable and not really nice. And so the body kind of tenses up and it can't release and relax. And I've also been the opposite where the person's been so light and not even really there with me that I can't feel them. And so that doesn't feel safe either. That that feels like, well, where are you? I, I feel left here. And so the idea is, or the, the I suppose what we learn with experience is meeting the body and meeting the tissues, the tissues, when I say the tissues, our fascia and our connective tissue, we're meeting that right at that point where the body then starts to move and change and unwind. It's often we refer to it as the Goldilocks touch, you know, not too heavy and not too light. We're right there with the body as it's, shifting and changing and that might be crying it might just be moving it might be um you know heat in the area and there's signs of tissue changes and breathing might change and those sort of things and so that really helped my aware parenting because it helped me to be right there in a, in aware parenting we call it the balance of attention so you're right there where your child is at that 
point where they're able to cry and um, let those feelings out. Sometimes if we go in too hard or if we get in too close, they might shut down and, you know, you don't, there's, they just mm, shut down hard. And then if you walk away or if you back away too far, they, and this is obviously a bit older, not, not just the baby, but that you, um, actually I do have an example for a baby. I'll come back to that. But if you walk away and you get too far away, then they, stop crying as well and so I think that has helped me bring that concept into being right there where they're crying um and my example if I can give you my example with that is that when I was listening to my youngest so he was a baby he uh he'd be in our arms having a cry but then at some point he would nuzzle into this little spot where he would put his head into my into the the crease of my arm and kind of nuzzle in there and stop crying. And I would think, oh, okay, we're done. All right, well, I'll put him into his bed. But then he would start crying again. And if I held his hand with like, it was it was almost like a switch, <laughs> which is I'm sure you've had that same experience. But if I held his hand just out a little bit from that spot, which ended up being a bit of a control pattern. And so if I just held his hand in a one tiny little movement, it would just be a slight rotation. And if I held him in that spot, he would cry and cry and cry and have this you know, beautiful release. And I would be right there with him and listen and listen and listen until he was finished. And then he would be all floppy and then he would be really deeply asleep and I could put him into his bed and he would sleep for ages. But if I if I sort of backed away from that, you know, if I'm looking at that cranial um, paradigm, if he would nuzzle in and, and fall asleep, he wasn't completely finished telling me all about his day. He wasn't completely finished releasing those feelings. And so he uh, he would wake up and then he'd have some more crying to do. Um, and so, but really it was like minute in where I where the body was to meet him where he needed to, you know, release those feelings. Mm. Mm, I love hearing all of that, Shelley, and so resonate and used to do the same with my children, putting my thumb in their little hand. And really, I love how you explain it. It's such an embodied sensing experiences now. When I talk about with older babies, the crying dance, but in a way, it's like a dance with right from, yes. from scratch because it's that responsive. I always think about like a tango or that kind of a dance where just completely listening in and moving and following babies that might want to turn around over and over again. They might be crying and trying to turn and we can just flow with that and support them to make these kinds of movements whilst they're crying in arms. And it makes the whole experience just so rich and nuanced, doesn't it? That this yeah. deep observation, this deep presence that's required from us, it really isn't a doing thing, isn't it? It's really, that's what I was really going for when I was saying, oh, this is my understanding of craniosacral saying it is it's same same. Aware, aware parenting yep. is that we trust the babies know exactly well all, all beings but as you said we're much more conditioned yep. when we get older but babies are so connected to that deep innate wisdom for how to heal and are constantly inviting that and inviting us to offer them the kind of quality of both presence but 
connected listening and following and it's just the most wondrous experience isn't it to really be with a baby in that way and to be like just be with them like dancing together in this sea of feelings and healing and moving and literally feeling that tension be released as we follow in this way it's just so incredible isn't it yes yeah absolutely and I would say cranial work is a dance it's a same thing it's the dance of of we are really following the body just behind it and but uh for people on the table sometimes it's like but you're moving and my parents are very funny when they have cranial work they're like but you're moving your fingers I said no I'm not this is your body shifting and changing and I'm following it and that is very much how we're trained and that's I think why I love both paradigms is that it's very similar I often say that I'm a professional listener (laughs) if I can give myself that title in terms of listening to the body and and in cranial work we do it through our hands but we also do it through our whole body as well and so I'm just listening to their body and we're doing the same when we listen to our children we're noticing our own our own things that come up and and you know and holding that presence and sense of safety and space for our kids and so it's a very similar dance with with the cranial work too Mm. so incredible Mm. you had um do you want to talk about the time that lana yeah she had some uh cranial work didn't she and and then and then had some big cries after that it wasn't actually cranial work it was she she had an overbite interestingly in terms of i'm curious if you've got any thoughts as well about positioning because they were both posterior and my senses that was all related i'm sure you know exactly what i'm talking about so we did a lot of crying in arms with her from three months on but when she was six she had a a plate put in her mouth Mm -hmm. we're really into the already the kind of myofacial work and this was to support her whole what's that called hard palate hard palate to you know to beautifully move yeah her maxilla yeah and whilst that was moving like it's almost as soon as she had that put in she literally at six revisited her birth with her dad and I there and it was a very long posterior birth it was 86 hours it was beautiful because I was a hypnobirthing instructor so I was calm and present all that stuff but it was long for her mm-hmm. and she literally moved through her whole birth experience so she moved from room to room we were with her and we we're like oh this is where do you remember that point in my birthing process where I moved into that room and she literally completely revisited her whole birthing experience crying all the while getting into particular positions and after this really big long cry she was in the bedroom and she just kind of did this massive kind of scream right at the end which I haven't heard so often in in releasing and just fell asleep and literally slept she woke up for a quick bit of food and drink and then just went back to sleep and slept for like a day and a half or something like that it was most profound and my understanding was that because of that jaw movement and I'm sure you probably got things to add to that that it supported her to completely revisit that experience it was incredible I mean I've seen many revisits of birth but yeah, yeah that was a standout one <laughs> yeah and I think well I have two things to say about that there's many different types of body work that will help with birth and healing from birth and healing from birth trauma there's craniosacral therapy and you've talked about a lot of them in terms of holotropic 
uh, breath work and rebirthing work and all of those things that can help us to revisit and heal from our birth experience and it can be other body work as well but I think yes having any mouth work or dental work or plates or braces or things put in our mouths it can really one if it was opening up it can shifting that in her body is probably giving her a chance it sort of all of the feelings then had a chance to come out and be released and I certainly notice that in the clinic with with kids and sometimes babies but with kids they might have more structural stuff in the session where things move and shift and then the parents might say what did you do to my kid they've been crying for (laughs) and that's you know I'm like okay good this is a good thing so uh there's certainly been times where when when the body when something that's been really tightly held and tightly packed and and held in the body and that gets released and we have more space then the feelings have a chance to move and so I think that's probably what happened with that that scenario uh but it is really powerful that kids can they will go back and do these things and so and I know we're talking about babies in this episode but it's it's really important for parents to know that we can help them heal we can help our kids heal from their birth trauma at any age so we I think we'll you'll talk more about that in other episodes and we might even come back and do another episode on that too on things that we can do to help our children when they are older and not just the little babies I'm really looking forward to that episode and just a little add-on to that it's very interesting isn't it to see how quickly children will just literally drop into their birth experience so we give a little taste of what we will talk about is that I am actually remembering one experience I had with a friend that I was visiting and she hadn't practiced aware parenting and her son was maybe about five and he started crying and she would normally distract him and so on but because I'd been sharing about aware parenting she said oh will you just be with me while I listen to his feelings and almost straight away he went back into his birth experience and started saying I'm scared and I'm hot and let me out of here and we were just in a room and it was getting really hot and just saying all the words and she was literally kind of looking at me and going oh my god these are the this is a complete match for this very traumatic birth that he'd experienced and she was in complete awe that literally this was within five seconds of starting to cry that he just dropped into this it's so incredible isn't it how close to the surface those birth memories and feelings are for children yes 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 absolutely I've had many experience of that with my own kids but also seeing kids in the clinic do the same thing big cries and also with play but they are dropping back very quickly (laughs) so that they know I think this is the other thing really trusting our bodies really trusting our baby's bodies, really trusting our children's bodies, that they know what they need to do to process, to come back into balance in their bodies. They know what they need and it's right there. And the younger they are, the closer it is to the surface. And so a newborn baby or a one-week-old baby will just go straight there and tell you about it. And, you know, even a three or four-year-old or a five-year-old, it's often sitting pretty close to the surface. And many, I can't wait for that episode as well, actually, in this that conversation, because I have so many examples of times where 
our kids will say something that doesn't make sense in the moment now, but they are processing their birth. And when I think about what happened in their birth, it makes total sense. And I'm like, oh, wow, wow, you're back there. Okay. And your love and your presence in the now grounds them, tells them that it's safe, holds that space for them. And we are trusting that they will do what they need to do to to offload, to to integrate that experience and to come back into the into their bodies and into balance. I'm really looking forward to that episode as well. Yeah. So many memories coming to me. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. So yeah, we just give people a little bit of like a, oh, looking forward to that. that Yes. A couple of weeks. Yes. (laughs) Yum. Mm. But should we, should we move on to share a little bit about the Marion method? So this is not aware parenting, but there's one experience that you had that is one of the things I will always remember in my life in a session with you that was so much about this Marian method work and particularly conversations with life and children as messengers. So I'm mm-hmm. really to clarify this isn't aware parenting, but it's just one of my favorite stories. Are you willing to share it? <laughs> yes, I will. I will share that. And I also want to say it's not aware parenting, but I think one thing that I I've come to learn over these years more and more and more is and that I think we still don't really honour in society is that babies are really sentient beings. They feel they are really right from conception, that little embryo that has a felt sense and is aware of what's happening and and there's been many times where I will go back into a process of my own right from being a little embryo uh, through craniosacral therapy. And I know you talked a bit about that with your rebirthing and breath work. And it takes you right back. And and it, craniosacral therapy in water is very similar to what to, you know, and, and you have a lot of birth processes happen in water because you have that 3D movement of being able to, do the things that you didn't get to do that first time around and move in certain ways. And so I really wanted to just say that we do feel everything from right from when we were a little embryo all the way through gestation, through that birth process. And so really honouring that and thinking back to what was that birth like for you as a child, as the, you know, us as the adults, what was my birth like? And how that has informed so much of my life and how I am in the world, which I know you've talked about in the last few episodes. And it's so wonderful for people to have, hear your experience and go, oh, I wonder what was that, what was that like for me? Um, And so I really wanted to say that, that children are sentient beings. They do know, they do feel, even though what we'll share now is not aware parenting, I think it's helpful for people to to think about that and to because we don't tend to think that babies feel those things or that they're aware of those things but they are yes and so this story was when I was about well I was certainly the next couple of days so I was 41 and four days or something <laughs> I was very deep in the I really need this baby to I was done with being pregnant, but I was like, I'm also trusting his timing and I want (laughs) to let him choose when he wants to come. 
uh, every morning I woke up going, oh, nope, still pregnant. <laughs> so we had a few sessions during that time. And one of them, uh, I, and I was saying, like, oh, I don't know, when is this baby going to come? And uh, and you asked, well, shall we tune in and talk to the baby? And I think that's why I said around babies being sentient beings, we can talk to our babies right from conception. They hear us. We can speak to them. We can create space for them. We can have a really conscious conception and pregnancy and birth because they hear it and they know that we are speaking to them. If I'm treating from a craniosacral therapy point of view, if I'm treating a pregnant person, I will always talk to the baby and I'll say to the baby, this is mum's process. You don't have to worry about what she's you know, feeling at the moment. This is not yours. And just to give that baby that information, it doesn't need to take on the feelings that mum is processing at the moment. And so I was, I, re- I distinctly remember I was lying on our bed in our old house. And so it was right next to the bathroom. And we were talking about, I'm like, when's this baby going to come? And I was getting frustrated. I was offloading some frustration so that, uh, so that you know, you held that beautifully. And I remember you asking me the question, when are you ready let's ask baby are they ready to come yet or when are they when are they ready to come let's trust their timing let's ask them I can't remember exactly the question but in in essence you were we were talking to bubs and with conversations with life we know that uh, our children can be messages from life so our children have very open channels and they're able often they will say things that quite don't make sense don't make sense to what they're doing but it really is meaningful for you and it's actually a message for you and so my husband was in the bathroom bathing our other two kids and so we asked the question of are you ready to when are you ready or how are you feeling in there are you ready to come out and my son who was about 5 or 6 at the time 6 he said he was in the bath and he just screamed, I'm ready to get out now. I'm ready to come out now. I think he said, get out now. I'm ready to get out now. Really loudly on the top of his voice. And it was literally like you'd ask the question and he, and my son answered, but uh, we would, both of us just went, oh my gosh, what, what, what did he just say? And we just couldn't believe it. And you, you actually can't make up conversations with life. It, it's like life is always in communication with us. And that was a very clear message from my other son <laughs> for the one that was still in in utero and ready to come out. And it was very, very clear. Yes, I'm ready to be born now. And I was like, okay, great. The other thing with that is that my husband was in the bathroom with them. And so he, I said to him, did you hear... Our oldest son, did you hear him yell out? And he goes, yeah, I was in the bathroom. He didn't need to yell that loudly, but he did. And I I really, to this day, really believe that we'd asked, um, you know, my youngest son, is he ready to come out? And he really answered. So I think that's a, a really wonderful example of when we zoom out and when we look at our we can look at our births, we can look at our the things that happen around us, we can look at our own births, our children's births, 
and really look at, okay, well, what's life showing me here and what's the message here and what's the conversation that we're having with with life? And, it, yeah, it's a profound way of being in the world and, and I've learned so much from you around listening to messages from life and trusting them and I can't tell you the amount of times that you just can't make it up. I'm like, what? This happened and this happened. How? <laughs> this makes so much sense now. Thank you, life. Okay, I know which way I'm going. So, yeah, that was that was that example. <laughs> <laughs> I will always remember that. It was just so, yeah, one of the most powerful messages from life ever. Yeah, and I think he was born, was he born the next day? I think it was. I think you. Yeah, I think you he was born the next day because that was a Friday. He was born Saturday. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so clear. It's so clear, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's been many, and with conversations with life, uh, little kids can come in and just say something that doesn't make sense, and it's like, oh, thanks. I was just needing to hear that. So we love it, isn't it, about doing the Marion method work? Is like most parents when they're beginning, I always say, notice them when they begin working with me, and their child comes in or an animal or, you know, it's many other things. Yeah. We're talking about children here and their child comes in, they're trying to get them to go in. And once they start realizing after a few times, I'm like, what did they say? And they hear, and it's completely relevant to what they're working on that they get into yeah. it too. And they're like, oh, great. Yeah, my child's coming in. What are they going to say? What are they going to do? And it's so rich and just shows really the, you know, the deep interconnectedness of all things. <laughs> it really does. And I think you just reminded me, you asked me, before around how does you know cranial influence aware parenting and vice versa I think the aware my aware parenting knowledge and information and also uh, Marion method work informs my cranial work because I really deeply trust where children go and so often kids will come in and parents might go okay lay down on the bed and be still and the kids wanting to jump up and move around and and I will follow them so I just know that wherever they take this it's useful for them and whatever they do is part of their process and sometimes kids might end up underneath tables or crawling through things that they've built and we make cubby houses and profound things happen in in these you know intricate spaces that they've created because they're building they're building and we do get taught that in cranial work to follow the child and listen, but it's the aware parenting information and, and married method work has really helped me uh, follow that even more. And, you know, we treat under the table and under couches and yeah, it's really, you never quite know what's going to happen in a session. <laughs> I love that. And I don't know about for you, but I know for me, what I love about aware parenting and, Mary method and other things that I'm really passionate about like buteco breathing and many other modalities and like you I mentioned for craniosacral therapy is for me what they hold is a deep deep trust in our innate wisdom and the innate wisdom that we are born with and the innate wisdom that all beings have and that actually so much of bringing things back into wholeness and into homeostasis is really finding out it's not so much about a big doing or a fixing it's about how can we come in as we were talking about earlier in relationship with that system whether that is a baby or a child system an ecosystem whatever it is, is how can we come in trust that the being knows how to be whole and how to be 
connected in a fluid way but it's about us going in and supporting that process we're not doing it we're not making it happen but we're cooperating with that and that's what I love so I don't know about you but that's why I see all the different modalities that I love they all have that thing in common yes I have the same thing absolutely and I've often thought I've really deeply thought about this and you and I have had lots of conversations over the years of well, what does that mean in that part? And are they talk about it like this? And this is, you know, how do we explain it? But really, in essence, all of them come back to exactly that, really deeply trusting the body's innate wisdom and the person's innate wisdom that they know what they need to heal and to come back, like you said, into homeostasis. And that might be moving in a certain way. It might be rolling down a hill. It might be crying. It might be laughing. It's like our my role as a wherever I am as a parent, as a friend, as a uh, listening partner, or as a therapist is that I am there to really support and facilitate someone else's innate process, and I don't fix anyone or. Um, heal anyone or any of those things I'm there to hold a space for them to do that themselves and yes we put our hands on the body and we might um, we really are meeting the body right at that edge point or right at that point where the body then changes so we are facilitating that and and supporting that but that that is our role it's not um, I'm not doing anything to fix it clients will say to me oh you, you know you fix this. And I said, no, no, your body did (laughs) make it very clear. Like your body did the work and I just was there to witness it. And it's a really, it's a, uh, I feel really touched and honored that I get to share in other people's processes. That, that for me is, is the biggest gift of this work. Yeah. I so resonate with that. And my experience as well, whether it's being a mentor or a parent or the puppy on my lap. And I remember you supported me to help one of our puppies with some beautiful healing (laughs) through hands-on is of course it really depends on us also being willing to trust our own bodies and our own innate healing wisdom in whatever way that is and to receive support with that wherever necessary so that we're more and more in that state of you could call it wholeness or you could call it homeostasis or fluid movement lovingness and willingness you know whatever modality you're in the more that we are in that state ourselves or know how to tap back into that the more helpful we can be for others and that's really so relevant isn't it if we come back to our parenting that so often it really is about and I love you've shared this so much here today is about the quality of our presence because if we are really tense and agitated and stressed it's almost impossible to be offering that kind of quality of presence that actually just supports and facilitates and encourages our baby or child to heal from stress or trauma Mm, yeah and I I love that it just reminded me of something else that I wanted to say is that one of the one of the things that our teachers often say in craniosacral therapy is that a more advanced therapist you know really it's about doing our own work and our own inner work because you're then bringing a more whole and integrated therapist to the table and they often say that a client will only go to the depth that you have are willing and have been willing to go yourself. And so in terms of their own processing, and I really love that image of, which is why I, you know, we do our own work 
so that I can be more whole and integrated and hold that space for for my clients. And I bring that same uh, notion into parenting. And it's why I, you know, want to do my own work. And I would encourage parents, especially if we're doing aware parenting, uh, that we have the support to be doing our own inner work. And whether that's listening partnerships, group work, one-on-one work, therapy sessions, your own body work sessions, your own counseling sessions, whatever form, journaling, art therapy, whatever form that looks like, is the more that we do our own work, then we bring a more whole and integrated parent to that space to then hold our children through whatever they're going through. And so I really love that. And I've often use that analogy for my own work and going, okay, this is why I'm doing this work so that then I can hold this space for my children. And and my own nervous system has changed so much. You know, I've spent a lot of my early parenting in a fight or flight state and and very tense and stressed and just busy, 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 busy. <laughs> As you know, when I first met you, I found it very, very hard to sit still and go slow and rest. And probably my biggest learning in the six years that I've worked with you is the slowing down. And I've had cranial work and I've had therapy and it's all, it's all of the things. But, but helping myself be able to shift out of these different states and really hold that grounded presence has been the biggest difference. I don't know if we can do this work if we don't have that support or the emotional support ourselves. Or I would say to a parent, if you're trying to do aware parenting and, you, and you're doing it and you're, but you feel like you're not getting anywhere with your kids or when I say getting anywhere, it's not helping or you're not seeing those changes like you hear Marion describe on here and you're not witnessing those shifts in your children, then I would come back to your your own emotional support and your own awareness around your hurts and how easily do you cry and do you have space to cry regularly and and laugh and all of those things but if it is doesn't appear to be helping or working then coming back to ourselves because really it's us and how we hold that space that is that is key Absolutely. You know, in my Emotional Life of Babies book that I'm editing mm-hmm. at the moment, which I love, I've really been talking about really the core and where parenting is relaxed presence and being able to differentiate that from, well, dissociation, but also, of course, hyperarousal and or fight and flight freeze in, mm-hmm. in the more kind of common language. And really, that's what our own inner work invites us to spend more of the more and more and more and more of the time yeah. in a state of relaxed presence and it's really that relaxed presence that's required in order to support our baby or child or teen with all the things you know about unaware parenting not, not only the crying and the raging but also the attachment play as well relaxed mm. presence and relaxed presence is so yummy, <laughs> so mm-hmm. yummy. it is and it's also really hard to to have like we can get stressed and life is busy and so I think having our ways that we can check in oh that's my dog having ways that we can check in and into our own emotional needs regularly and so that we 
can bring that to our kids is really important. Absolutely. Doggy barking. Well, it's always got dog barking in this podcast. It wouldn't be oh, good. It wouldn't be the parenting podcast if it didn't have some barking in there. Yeah. Interesting. I always wonder whenever I always pay exactly. Yeah, I always pay attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always pay attention when he barks. Because children bring messages from life, but he also barks whenever we've said something like, Yes, that was really good. And I'm on a client call with someone and he barks. And I'm like, oh. And the other thing, when my computer dings, so I've said so, or someone says something profound and the computer dings, I'm like, oh, that was, there yes, you go. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I do that in sessions too. The dogs communicate a lot about the energy of what's going on. Yes. Shelley, I've so enjoyed this. And as we said before, you are coming back to talk yeah. about supporting children to heal from yeah, older kids. trauma. Yeah. But in the meanwhile, do you want to do a little sharing of like how people can find you that you've also got your podcast at that yeah. if you'd let people know about. So where can people find you and yeah, anything else that you want yeah. to share? Yes. Uh, well, they can find me on social media, uh, Instagram and Facebook. It's underscore Shelley Clark underscore. My website is uh, ShellyClark.com. And I have a few courses. I have a 21 Days of Play, which is an attachment play course that is a self-paced, small, short course for parents if they want some play ideas. I have a clinic here in Adelaide for craniosacral therapy. However, <laughs> I, whenever I talk about craniosacral therapy, I always get lots of new clients um, and I am not taking any new clients at the moment. So I did want to just say that uh, until the start of next year. So I've actually closed my books because it's very busy with cranial clients. And so you always have overflowing amounts of people. Yes. Your work is yes. so amazing. Yes, absolutely. So uh, I did want to talk about that and mention that, that I'm not taking any new clients at the moment, but there's actually a worldwide directory of upledger trained craniosacral therapy. So there's a couple of different craniosacral therapy trainings, biodynamic training, upledger training, and they're just different, uh, slightly different, um, you know, philosophies, a bit like the different types of yoga that we have. Um, and so I can put a link in the show notes around a directory of where if you are interested in having some craniosacral therapy, you can look up on there and look, search your area and see if there's anyone in your area that is on there. You could do a Google search of someone, you know, your area to find a craniosacral therapist here in Adelaide. There's several, you know, around Australia, there's, there's quite a few on the Eastern States, you know, there's craniosacral therapy is becoming more and more, uh, known and and I know internationally because people listen all over the world to, to this podcast that it's wow. a lot more common and so in Europe you can find craniosacral therapies actually I think there's this hospital in Germany where all neonates get a craniosacral therapy session before they leave hospital it's like oh my gosh that's a dream for anyone that would love to try craniosacral therapy to uh, give it a go because it's it's a wonderful modality. You often don't need too many sessions to see a change in your in your baby, and so and like I said, even one session can really make a difference to um, to the body. So 
uh, I wanted to mention that. And as of next year, I'll open my books again. But for now, I uh, need to have a bit of <laughs> need to have a, uh, a little bit of time. So, uh, and otherwise, I have my podcast, which is called the Mind Body Parenting Podcast, and I have uh, a lot of episodes there for parents to to have a listen to about body work, about hand in hand parenting, aware parenting, and different things. I interview different people and different instructors. So go and have a listen to that if you feel called. So thanks. So wonderful, Shelley. Yay. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I would, you know, I could talk about this forever. So thank you so much for having, and thank you for those listening. I know it's a, a long one, but I think it's, you know, birth, birth and listening to our kids, you know, listening to our babies right from birth is so powerful and transformative and profound and yeah thank you for giving me the opportunity to chat about it thank you so much for sharing I think it really is just literally transformative and trajectory changing for so many babies and children isn't it so thank you so much for sharing and loved this long deep dive and I really look forward to talking to you again in probably a couple of weeks yeah me too see you again next time yay thank you bye